With his hit film, The Motorcycle Diaries, he took us on Che Guevara's epic road trip across South America. Since then, he's continued to take us on unexpected journeys on the big screen and on the stage. Playwright and Academy Award-nominated screenwriter Jose Rivera. I'm Maria Hinojosa. This is One on One. Jose Rivera, you are an award-winning playwright, but people probably know you most because of the fact that you're the screenwriter for The Motorcycle Diaries. And uh, let's just say you were nominated for an Oscar for that. <laughs> Pretty extraordinary. <laughs> but when you think about the fact that you took on writing about Che Guevara for your first screenplay that was made into a movie, mm -hmm. people are like, Che Guevara? I know. I'm not going to touch it. I know, it's huge. It's huge. Huge. Yeah. I mean, part of the, the process that I went through writing it was to put the legend aside. You know, and, you know, because obviously I wasn't there and when he took that trip. And, uh, and I had to find a way into the film. Like, what is it that I will contribute to this movie? And, you know, through discussions with the director, we decided, you know, this should be a coming-of-age story. It's a young man who comes from a sheltered, middle-class home, who discovers, because of the beauty of the road, he discovers the inner, inner political animal that he had. And that's, you know, I've, I did that. Everyone does that at one point in their lives. In fact, I wrote down, I said, you know, you actually... For anyone who comes into the Motorcycle Diaries thinking that they're going to see Che Guevara, mm -hmm. the one that they know from the posters and the t-shirts and the coffee cups and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. actually you've destroyed that image yeah, in the sense that there's just no visual connection right. really. Yeah, It's absolutely. Gael Garcia Bernal, mm -hmm. amazing Mexican yeah. actor. Yeah, and we in fact we avoided things that would uh, link that Che to the later Che. For instance, in the diary there's a scene where he's on the Amazon, he gets an asthma attack and uh, there's a doctor on board, and a doctor rushes up to him with a cigar and says, take this, it'll help your asthma. We didn't use that scene in the oh film God, because a cigar. it would look like that iconic image. Oh, so we didn't want, we purposely avoided anything that referenced the future, because obviously he didn't know the future. So you spent nine months thinking about the Motorcycle Diaries mm -hmm. before you even wrote it, mm -hmm. but you actually didn't do the road trip that Che Guevara did. And when, I, when you told me that, I was like, how could you, you're an amazing writer, how could you write that without having taken that road trip? Yeah, well, I mean, I did a lot of other kinds of research, but uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to imagine it for the most part, and, and his, his own writing is so vivid, you know, his writing is so beautiful that he puts you in that, in that world. Because he's a poet. He is a poet, and yeah. And he kept a diary while he was on this trip. Yes, absolutely, and his friend, um, Granado, he took that trip, obviously, and he kept his own diary. So we had both sources to work from. And this trip really, perhaps more than anything in Che Guevara's life, was what formed him as a revolutionary? I mean, do you think that this is what formed him as a revolutionary? I would say it, it was the beginning. His later trip really formed him, because his later trip, you know, he was in Guatemala during right after the coup. Mm -hmm. He ended up in Mexico. He met his first uh, wife, who was a Marxist. He met Fidel, he met Raul, and that was the trip that really changed him. This, this trip, uh, the first one, was really the, do the opening of a, of a door, but he didn't pass through that door to the later trip. And there's a moment um, in the film which is kind of the crystallizing moment, the moment at the 
and I feel like I shouldn't even say the leper colony right. because that's a that word of disrespect, right? A word of disrespect that the colony where people who have leprosy live mm -hmm. and Che, um, Ernesto, mm -hmm. uh, swims across the river, mm -hmm. separating those who have leprosy from those who don't have leprosy. Mm -hmm. And he gives a speech in, on that night. What a beautiful speech, yeah. Do you, when you were writing, when you were processing all the information from Che, did you see that as the central kind of moment? Well, you know, it, yeah, in, in, our, in my discussions with the director, Walter Salas, a great Brazilian director. Amazing director. Wonderful, and a great colleague. And did he call you? Did he say? Well, we, yeah, we met on a blind date, essentially. No. You know, our, our agent set it up, and we met for lunch, and we hit it off, and, you know, he was every bit as wonderful as his film, Central Station. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to collaborate with him. But, you know, when we talked about it, we, we wanted to find out what is the climax of our story, just on very basic, you know, screenwriting 101, mm. you know, what is the climax? And we both decided that was the climax when he made the decision to, to swim from the healthy side, quote unquote, to the other side. And uh, to cross it, the border, to cross the border, cross an internal border, cross, you know, all kinds of psychological borders. And uh, in the diary itself, he mentions it in two sentences. It's not even a big deal. Two sentences. And we made it, obviously, the centerpiece of the film. So you wrote the screenplay mm -hmm. and then you give the screenplay to a director. You are a director yourself. You've directed film. You're a playwright and you direct plays. Mm -hmm. What's it like? to write something like this and then give it to a director? It's, uh, you know, it's easy in Walter's case because you know he's going to do a beautiful job. It's not always so easy. You know, it's funny. The thing I learned from, from having the Motorcycle Diaries produced is that you can be the writer of a film but not its author that the filmmaker is the ultimate author of a film. But is that hard for you to kind it's of... It's so hard. Coming from the theater and being the author of every single word, and it, it's, it's humiliating at times, you know, it's humbling. So what do you uh, do? I mean, do you stay out of the... You were involved well, when that, there was a lot of dialogue being worked out, yeah, you were involved. Yes, oh. that process, I mean, Walter's unique because he's tremendously collaborative. So, you know, I was invited to the rehearsals, I was invited to the auditions, I was asked to be on the set. And that's not typical for a screenwriting experience. So in that way, it's a lot more like theater you know, the way I worked with Walter. And I knew from having seen Central Station that he will do a beautiful, magnificent job. And it's a beautiful film. I mean, actually, one of the questions that I had, and I've watched it several times, and I'm like, are they all actors? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not all of them, you know. Some of them, Walter, the thing about, because his background is documentaries, he likes accidents on the road. He likes to find things So he might have found planned. people? Oh, he definitely found people. Because there the are some... The little boy, yeah. you know, that guides them. Let's clue our audience in for those who haven't seen. Yeah. So, so essentially you've got a young Che Guevara mm -hmm. um, and his best friend, uh, Granados, and they're in Peru now. Mm -hmm. And just seeing Peru visually on yes. screen like that, Beautiful. you had said you hope it inspires people to travel mm -hmm. down Absolutely. there. But then all of a sudden, you start seeing these people who are so authentic. Mm -hmm. They are indigenous people. They're living in Cusco, Peru at this time. They're miners. Mm -hmm. So some of these people were in some, fact... Yes, yeah. Uh, the indigenous women that they meet in the plaza, and they're sitting around talking. And, uh, and how did they do that? Like, did they say... He they improvised it. They improvised it. Walter had his camera. The actors were excited to do it. They just sat down with the but women. But did they say to the women, he's playing a role of Che Guevara? Yeah, yeah it was all explained wow. that you know this is a film, and but just be yourself, talk about whatever you want, and let the conversation develop organically. And that's exactly what they did. And there were several 
key moments in the film where Walter did that. So you spent some time um, in the learning craft of, of, of screenwriting and playwriting. You spent some time with Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I did, yes. Very lucky. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was in 1989. He was allowed to visit the United States. You know, he wasn't, he was banned for a long time. Yeah. He got a three-week visa to go to the Sundance Institute. And so he taught a three-week writing workshop with about a dozen uh, writers from the States. So I did get to That's know pretty him. special. Yeah, it was. It, it was a turning point, you know. Because... He was, well, he was such a hero of mine. And I had, you know, as a, as a playwright, I'd grown up in, this, in the tradition of realism. T Tennessee Williams, mm. Eugene O'Neill, Henrik Ibsen, you know. And then here comes Marquez with this entirely new way to tell a story. And it hadn't been done in the theater very much. And so I, w one of the things I wanted to do as a playwright was to explore that form in the theater where it didn't exist. And so meeting him and working with him was, you know, one of the So what's the greatest secret that you learned from Gabriel Garcia Marquez that you can share with well, us? The, the, I'll folks. tell you the irony. He would say, if you were here today, he would say, keep it real. Keep it Authentic. Real. Grounded. Every bit of quote-unquote magic in his books is psychologically grounded. If you look at them all, everything is tied to the emotions of the characters. The, the example I always give when I talk to students is the storm scene in King Lear. Mm. Shakespeare writes a storm because Lear is having his internal storm. He's going mad. And so Shakespeare gives us the storm of, in the world. When, when magic, quote-unquote, is used in this world, you know, it's a reflection of the psychological truth of the characters. Do you feel that after spending time with Gabriel Garcia Marquez that suddenly you would look around? D did it make you start seeing the magical realism that we live with here in this country? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because when you really look around, you'll see it everywhere. It's you true, know, right? You see juxtapositions, you see dreamlike moments, you, you see things you never expect. You know, I was walking through New York once and there was a man selling whips on the street corner to <laughs> the commuters, you know, things like that happen all the time. And if you're, you just have to be alert, you know. I tell my students at times, you know, be alert, you know, really see the world. So as a writer, and, and we were talking before we came on set about the fact that you, you grew up in, in Long Island, you were born in Puerto Rico, grew up in Long Island. You've been in LA, Hollywood for... Since 1990. So quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. And how it is that you're able to kind of stay true to your artistic self when you are in the midst of Hollywood, mm. you're trying to survive, you have kids, you have mm -hmm. to pay the bills. H how do you do that? Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, it's a lot of stubbornness goes into, you know, trying to keep your vision. And, you know, part of it is having kids keep you grounded. You know, mm. my children keep me, keep me real, as I say. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah. you've got the pressure. I'm sure that Hollywood, once Motorcycle Diaries came out, you were nominated for an Oscar. You're the first Puerto Rican to be nominated for an Oscar as a screenwriter. I mean, did the calls just suddenly start? They did, yeah. They did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it really does happen, like it. the next day? Oh, yes, it was madness. Actually, in a way, <laughs> it started a little bit before. It started after Sundance. It was such a success at Sundance. And I was at Sundance. That year. Really? Yes. Did you go? I, I couldn't. Are you uh, kidding? I was reporting at that time oh. for CNN, so I was live okay. all the time. But I actually had heard about the film. Oh. It was the big buzz. You know, and people think that that somehow this is all very easy. But at Sundance, you guys were kind of hanging by pins and needles. Oh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't know, know what was going to happen. Uh -uh. We had Your no film idea. could have been rejected and yeah. quashed. And exactly. No, but it sold that night, you know. 
to focus. And yeah, the, the calls came in. You know, I did a, a job for, for DreamWorks right afterwards. I did a job for Sony, for Alicia Keys. And when you, know, you say so you did a job, what does that mean? It means that, you know, these, uh, for instance, uh, Sony and uh, DreamWorks had books that they wanted to turn into films. So they needed someone to adapt them. Oh. And because I adapted a book, uh, they figured, well, he's good at that. And so they called me to do those jobs. And so how long does it take to adapt a book to a screenplay? Yeah, it depends. You know, uh, some books are easier than others. I, I had been adapting On the Road, mm. the, the Kerouac novel, mm. classic. And I think I've been working on that for about three years now. You know, some things are harder. The, I did the brief wonders life of Oscar Wilde, which is Diaz. another. So, just because you said it kind of quickly, and people are like, oh, the, brie the brief, brief, wonderful life of Oscar Wilde right. from the Pulitzer Prize-winning author Juno Diaz right. about the Dominican reality, Dominican Republic immigrants. Um, right. Hugely popular book. Um, people love that book. I don't know, but when somebody gives you a book like that and says, make this into a movie, I mean, I would be like... Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, it's become my craft. You know, it's the thing that I've learned to do. I try to do it as well as I can. And it's fun. It's like a big puzzle. You know, it's trying to f decide what is cinematic in a novel and, and enhancing that and bringing that out is, is the big trick. Do you find yourself... I mean, how do you get to that place where you learn to trust, okay, this is the voice, this is the centerpiece, this is the through line. Yeah, it, it, takes, it takes doing, you know. I mean, you, you ask yourself basic questions. Who is this about? What do they want? And what's standing in their way? And when you answer those three questions, you pretty much cover a lot of what a movie is. Hmm. And you ask yourself, just what, those three questions. Just, yeah, what <laughs> you is, make it sound so what simple. Is a movie? You know, you look at Casablanca. You know, who is it about? It's about Rick. What does he want? He's in love with the girl. What's what's in his way? The Nazis. You know, and it, it sounds very elementary, but if you can solve those problems in a book, you, you, you're well on your way to to being able to make it into a film. A lot of people are enthralled with the creative process, and you've talked a lot about this, the creative process, the fact that you spend a lot of time thinking, researching. And then sometimes you can sit down, like in Motorcycle Diaries, and you wrote it in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the months of research beforehand. and Are you taking notes? Taking notes, making mental notes, listening to music. I mean, I was immersed. You can ask my kids. They were going what crazy. <laughs> what would happen with your kids? They were just like, Dad, he's still listening to the Che music. You know? <laughs> what were you listening to? Well, there's a lot of music about him. You know, yeah. and he's he's the central character in a lot of uh, folk songs, and I was listening to those. And I was listening to music from obviously uh, Cuba and Argentina, and so I was really sort of trying to get my head into that space. And you know, I often think of writing as a form of self hypnosis. You know, you almost go into a trance, and as it were, when you're really you know working really well. It's hard for kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It, uh, it's doable. <laughs> Why do you think? I mean, now again, I. Every country that I've been to around the world, most recently Bangladesh, somebody wearing a Che t-shirt. Oh, yeah. What is it about Che? I mean, you spent time with the young Che. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that so many people, and, and actually, do you think that people now actually know what Che really stands for? for? Yeah, I don't believe they do. I mean, I, when I see the t-shirt, I, I almost immediately think it's a fashion idea as opposed to a political idea. Hmm. You know, I mean, he, you know, it's, he stood up to the United States. 
basically, as a Latin American man saying, you know, Latin America, Chile should, should run the mines in Chile, you know, in Argentina they should be run by the Argentines. You know, that's what he said. He said, uh, hands off our country, hands off our resources and our land to the United States. Not a very popular message. And I think around the world that message still resonates because obviously we're still everywhere in this country. So I think that that is that sense of resistance, you know, and he, and he took things too far. I mean, he said, you know, I would love to create a hundred Vietnams. You know, that's, that's not cool, yeah. you know, um, but that's, that's the man. That's what he stood for. Um, and I don't think people really understand this. Also, <clears throat> one of the things I loved him in the film is that he's human mm -hmm. um, and he's a humanist. Mm -hmm. We see that part of him, you know, we oftentimes reduce these people to he's a hardened terrorist. Right. Um, but he was in a lot of ways very much a humanist. Yeah. Right. Well, he, yeah, I mean, one of his best known quotes is that, you know, a true revolutionary is guided by feelings of love. Yeah, I had forgotten that and quote until just to. now. Wow, yeah, that's a beautiful you know, quote. If you're fighting for la gente, if you're fighting for rights, if you're fighting for land and redistribution of wealth, you are fighting for you know, the affections of the people. And I think, and I, you know, a lot of people are very cynical about Che, but I do believe from all the research I've done that he sincerely believed that. He was an idealist to the end and was willing to die for it and did die for it at a very young age. He was 39 when he yeah. was killed. So, you know, I, I take him at his word and I do believe that's, that's what he stood for. Uh, his means may not have been my means, you know. There's that iconic moment in his later life when, you know, he was in battle and he had uh, a, cho a choice between picking up the ammunition and picking up the medicine. He picked up the ammunition because he decided, I'm a warrior from this point on. You know, I might have not made that choice, but he did, and, you know, and now history will tell us. So you're growing up on Long Island in the 1960s. Okay. And you didn't have a lot of means at that time. Your dad was a cab driver. Mm -hmm. um, and you didn't have television. But that meant that you spent a lot of time with your extended family from Puerto Rico, being new migrants to Long Island, New York. And there was a tremendous amount of family time that was spent around the kitchen table telling stories. Yes, when we, when my grandparents came to stay with us, and it was a, one year when our, this is one of the, I, I kid that said that sometimes there are good things about being poor. When our TV <laughs> broke down, we couldn't fix it. So there was about a year or so when we had no television, and that's, that's what we did. We sat around and talked, and, uh, you know, my mom is a brilliant storyteller, probably the best I've ever met. An actress you know? as well? My kind mom? Of, oh, know, no, no, no. I mean, but she, in the sense that, I mean, isn't storytelling part of, you know... Yes, there is definitely performance to it, you yeah. know. And she can tell her, her stories and, and entertain people for hours and hours. So when you talk to young, let's say, young Latinos, and they're thinking, I, I don't got nothing here, you are saying to them, if you just think about the stories of your own lives, mm -hmm. maybe it's there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody has, you know a trilogy of novels in their life. I mean, everyone's got deep and amazing stories. You know, the, the trick is to access them, to find them, and being able and be able to bring them out. You know, I mean, one thing that, that I do often is I go to schools, you know, and I try to meet young uh, Latino writers and actors and say, look, it's doable, it can happen, you know. It's hard. It's hard, and there are a lot of obstacles, but like anything worthwhile in life, you know, you're going to have to fight for it. So, you know, but it's worth it. 
You know, I've, I've been so many places, I've traveled so many great destinations and met such amazing people because of the arts, you know, and because of film. Mm. And I wouldn't trade this life for anything. You made a movie that I happen to think was really extraordinary. May have had a few faults here and there, but I thought that the movie Trade um, was amazing. It's a movie that deals with the drama of human trafficking in a way that has made it that made it so real. Mm. Um, what made you? I mean, how, how did that one come about? Because that issue yeah. is such a secret issue, so undercover. Even as a journalist, I I'm afraid to try to go into the topic of human trafficking. Yeah, it, it, I, and I knew very little before going into the the process. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a, a, a very well-known film director, Roland Emmerich, uh, was funding films that were smaller, more issue-oriented than his normal work. And this was a film he wanted, really seriously wanted to do about you know, sex uh, slavery. And I was, just right after the successes of The Motorcycle Diaries, asked to write this film. And, uh, you know, I, I went to Mexico to do research and talk to girls and... Um, you met some young a, girls who had been trafficked as sex oh, slaves yeah. in Mexico. Yeah, some. I mean, there was a twelve-year-old girl oh my God. who had had done it since the age of nine. And she had been kidnapped. She had been sold, sold. from from by family. There are some scenes in the movie Trade that I don't know that I will soon forget, even though I'd like to um, forget them, because you know, you just reveal what's happening with these young women and how they're treated like meat. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, literally, they're auctioned off. And and these are young girls who have normal lives and suddenly they're, what, is it? Is it that they're kidnapped? They're tricked into Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's kidnapping. Sometimes they're sold by their family. Uh, sometimes they're orphans or they're discarded. You know, they're, they're taken by force. They're drugged so they can't run away. One of the reasons it's international is that it'll take girls from Thailand and they'll go to Egypt or they'll go, they'll go to places where they can't speak the language. And that's yeah. part of the technique of controlling them. You know, so even if they run away, they're in a culture they have no connection to. And then no one believes them is the other thing that comes it's up in the movie horrible. Trade is that these people want help and they're saying, I've been kidnapped and mm. the officials are like, mm. yeah. let's talk for the last few minutes about um, what it is like now to be a Latino in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, it's not like you came to Hollywood saying, I'm a Latino screenwriter, playwright, you know, but how is it? Does it, it, for you now, is it difficult? Is it more open? Is there a continuing stereotype? Well, it is. I mean, I've been there now, as, as you know, since 90, and it has gotten better. It was not so good for a long time. I think the last few years with the success of Itu Mama Tambien and those great Mexican directors, you know, Cuaron and all those great guys, uh, I think it's helped a great deal. And I think the uh, prospect of, of movies in Spanish, for instance, is much more accepted now than ever. So, you know, it's, it's never been easy, it never will be easy, but it is easier than it used to be. And, for example, when you wrote Motorcycle Diaries, were you thinking about writing that for an American audience? Well, you know, the early on the decision was made to have the film be presented in Spanish. So we were, you know, uh, at least I was, thinking internationally. I mean, I, I had no idea how it would do in the States. But my feeling was if, you know, Che was an international figure and that this film will hopefully be seen everywhere around the world, and, and it has been. So when you find these young Latinos who want to 
right place, which is your first love and what you'd love to be doing if you could only make enough money to survive doing that. But what do you say to them about tapping into that central voice of theirs so that they can, in fact, become a budding screenwriter or a right. budding playwright? Well, that's the hardest thing. You know, uh, many writers, young writers, they go through a phase where they imitate their heroes. I want to be like Sam Shepard, or I want to be. I want like, to be like Jose Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to be like Lorca. You know, they, that's what they do. And then, but the process has to. The, something has to happen in that process where you destroy your hero. You have to kill your hero in order to find your voice. And that's the hardest part. But I tell young writers, your voice is there. You know, you think with it every single day. You dream with it every single night. And what you have to learn to do is listen to your voice. And stop listening to the voices of your heroes who you want to copy, because eventually you can't go anywhere with that. You know, it's a good way to learn your craft, but when you're really finding that authentic self and bringing it out, that's when you become a writer. So what's next for you, Jose Rivera, in the scheme of things? <laughs> um, I'm doing another film with Walter Salas, uh, you know, uh, a, a film for, uh, called American Rust. Based on a new a new novel, mm -hmm. and I'm writing a novel myself. I'm writing my first novel. Wow! Congratulations. So yeah, I've been at it for four years now. It's getting close to being finished. Great. Yeah. So like that. Thank you so much for all the work that you do, Jose Rivera, and for opening up our our minds and our eyes to the world through through your eyes. We really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you so much. And thanks for it's being with us. It's been a pleasure. Continue the conversation at wgbh.org/slash one-on-one. -on -one.